Candy trail, candy trail, candy trail. Candy camouflage. Run, 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 run. Shush. No, you shush. No, you shush. Shh. It's over the garden wall. Welcome to the Center Cut. I'm Dave. And I am Michael. And now starts the show over the garden wall. We must go to tell our dirty jokes. I like that, David. A portrait we will paint, but the beast is a taint. Let's get started for you folks. I wish I wrote more verses so I could have just kept interrupting you. Wow. Thank you for serenading me with that loveliness, David. Yeah. You're welcome. We're here to talk about Over the Garden Wall. Yeah. It's great. We only watched the first episode and the last episode of this limited series, I guess you would call it. Mm. So that's what we're here to do. This was a suggestion from friend of the show and friend of me. Thanks for suggesting this, Victoria. This yes. was interesting. And we have a lot of questions from Reddit. We're going to spend more time answering questions than actual content we watched. I bet. Yeah, but actually, like, a lot happened in the little short episodes. Over the Garden Wall. It's an animated miniseries created by Patrick McHale. It premiered on Cartoon Network back in 2014. Patrick is also a creative director for Adventure Time, which you kind of see some similar artistry between the art of the two shows. But this show, Over the Garden Wall, won a number of awards, most notably an Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program. People kind of loved it. Oh, it won the Emmy? It wasn't just nominated? Yeah. Wow. Yes. Okay. Wow. Big shit. Big shit. It stars a lot of big names. Elijah Wood is a main character in here. So it's Christopher Lloyd. Tim Curry's in here, although we didn't get to see him. Melanie Lindsay is in here. And that's just to name a few. There's a lot of people in this show. It's ranking at 93 on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty high. Um, and it's great. But before I get too far ahead of myself, let's let's do some recapping. So the first episode, The Old Grist Mill. We open to a spinning piano played by a frog, silhouetted by black. It's going to be this type of show, I see. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if Bob's Burgers and Twin Peaks had sex, but instead of having a baby, this just forced its way out of the boy show's genitals. I don't understand. I don't either, but uh, this thing's fucked in a good way. I love it. In a good way. Under this hauntingly weird yet also just normal-ass song that this dude's singing, Mm -hmm. We get a montage of weird scenes, which I'm guessing mean something in the broader scope of the series. I think they're just like things that we see later on, potentially. Yeah, I'm curious if all of them mean things in the series or if some of them do and some of them are just like random throwaway in between scenes. A similar thing happened in the finale of the series at the, at the very end of the show. And we definitely recognized a number of people in some of them. Yes. But then the rest of them were like totally out of left field. So it makes me feel like some of them are just like weird shit. <laughs> or, could just, or it could be from the middle that we didn't see. Maybe. Who knows? So there is a sad looking girl with her dog in the forest, a cat in a pumpkin cart being pulled by two giant turkeys. A circus with these like Jack Skellington looking long boys and a creepy black blob creature. Some figurine slash dolls on a shelf. 
a top hat man looking at a painting by candlelight, and then a shadow runs behind him. An old babushka sewing a quilt and cutting a string with bird scissors. Two kids playing with a key crank boat in a stream. A lady chilling in front of an altar of skulls. A fish in a boat that's fishing. A rock with a painted on face. A girl by a well while her dad chops wood in the background. Well, we don't we don't know that it's father daughter, but I, th- I think it's implied based on things we later see that it's father daughter. And then we get the title card and episode card back to back. It's on, baby. It's on. There's kind of a lot going on. We open to brothers Wirt and Greg walking in a dark wood. The narrator implies it's a place called the unknown, quote unquote. Greg is carrying a frog and listing off names. He would not name it. Mm-hmm. If I had a pet frog, I name him either Zach Efrog or I would just call him Toady. But I would only listen to Possum Kingdom by the Toadies around him. Do you want to die? I'm Both sorry. Bad jokes. Zach Efrog. Come on. That's a great name for a frog. Zach Efrog. That was the best <laughs> you come up with. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. So these boys Wirt is tall and thin with a dunce hat on his head. And Greg is short, plump and has an upside down teapot on his head. Why? I think just because it looks cool. But there is a question about that later. So we shall get there. Mm. I wish I could say that I thought everything in this show meant something, but I feel like a lot of the things in this are just to be kooky for kooky's sake. Maybe. Wirt doesn't understand why they're out there in the woods, and they quickly stumble upon Christopher Lloyd from afar. He's an old dude chopping wood. Greg has old lady candies in his pants, and they meet a bluebird voiced by adult Shauna from Yellow Jackets. Already weird. Mm -hmm. Wirt is spooked because the bird talks greg puts a candy on a cute little baby turtle and christopher lloyd warns them of a beast and takes them back to an old mill that he's turned into his home question mark i think he lives there yeah seems like he lives there this is exactly how human centipede started right yeah i'm pretty sure i remember pants candy yeah there was 100 percent pants candy yeah. can we talk about real quick how i like a lot of the art here but i hate their fucking noses oh see <laughs> Like, I I love the fact that the noses are so simple because, like, some of it is very intricate art and and some of it is very simple art. And I just I really enjoyed the fact that their noses were just like, uh, super ridiculously simple. No, I'm just the like opposite. They're just triangle. All, they're all shapes. Yeah, it's just triangles, yeah, circles, and ovals. Love it. Gross. I don't like it. It's great. Anyway, Christopher Lloyd or woodsman with voice that would scare any child, as I'll call him. He's just so loud. <laughs> He tells them this cryptic mumbo jumbo about having to grind the Edelwood trees into oil to keep a lantern lit. And then he also tosses two sticks under a daybed. What does it mean? What does it all mean? The the two sticks come into play in the finale. So, yep. Woodsman guy leaves. Wirt ponders his existence. And Greg just says one weird thing after another and also leaves. Greg was searching for weapons. Okay. Hot take. Are Greg, Wirt, and Christopher Lloyd all just the same person like greg is the little kid Wirt's the teenager in that like liminal transitional phase between kid and adult and then christopher lloyd he's just the man just working some inane bullshit job that means nothing trying to keep we later find out this lantern lit to keep the soul of the child alive it's just him foolishly trying to keep his own inner child alive by working which is the opposite of what he should be doing he should just be weird and free like greg hmm it's an interesting take. Okay. 
Does that mean you think it's possible? I'd be more willing to get behind it if they looked a little bit more similar. Okay. They do all look very different. Yes. I guess if you wanted to make an argument that like the woodsman is grown up Greg, I could get behind that mm. more so. But Wirt doesn't seem like he would fit into that scope. So I don't know. Okay. I mean, based on the fact that they all have different noses, I don't know. They also do have very different noses. Yes. But I have some later proof as well in the finale. But we'll, all right. we'll get there. But. I think it's a possibility. It's interesting. Anyway, speaking of Greg, outside, he's looking for his frog that he's calling Kitty, and he trips mm-hmm. on a candy trail that he's created <laughs> a la Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> and he like, he like plops out of the ground and then just like very obviously says, I tripped on my candy trail. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah, Greg is probably the best character. Greg is the best part of the show. Like, I don't think this would be nearly as good as it is without Greg. Mm. He keeps tossing heaps of candy everywhere. Kids got more to suck on in his pants than Dirk Diggler. He spies Christopher Lloyd bottling oil that he's extracting from the ground wood. And he accidentally falls into a barrel. Mm -hmm. As he's laying there crushing his frog, the beast arrives. (laughs) And I think that the beast is just a metaphorical glimpse into adulthood. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. This isn't the same beast as later, Beast. Uh, I think it is. You I think it's a different disagree. beast? Yes. Oh, okay. How so? drastically different. Why, though? This dog's just angry because it's got a turtle in its mouth. Okay, so you just think this, this beast is literally just a dog. What I'm thinking is that there's something about the forest and the unknown, and like because this dog tried to eat part of the forest, it turned it into this, like, abomination okay i guess i don't i don't hate that 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 could possibly be true first of before the beast takes its head in he goes work kitty like <laughs> he's laying on kitty <laughs> and then when it sticks its head in it tells him <laughs> greg tells it that it has beautiful eyes it does they look kind of like the looney tunes end credits circle things a little bit yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. woodsman guy hears the commotion and busts in but wirt also has no idea what's going on because greg's outside greg then comes in and the beast knocks the door down behind him. Greg knocks out Christopher Lloyd with a board to the head and he and Wirt run into the adjacent mill room. The beast follows, but not before Greg spanks its oily butt with the wood a few times for good measure. Yep. (laughs) Just because. Spank, spank, (laughs) spank. He even says spank while he's doing it. Best character. Yep. The boys throw potatoes at the beast Mm-hmm. Of note, there's a bluebird on the bag of potatoes. Does that mean something? Maybe. Oh, I didn't notice that. And then Greg also throws a bunch of candy at it, which it eats. He's feeding the beast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The boys climb out of a hatch in the roof, and then the beast Kool-Aid mans out the roof itself. Greg only has one piece of candy left, and the beast jumps off the roof to catch it, but falls into the gears of the mill, which starts to send the mill into shambles. It eventually crushes the beast, which sends the boys into a nearby stream, and a little oily turtle with a candy on its back flies out of the beast's mouth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What is happening? The same previous turtle. I know, but what is happening? The beast ate a a nasty drugged turtle, and he turned into a a nasty beast, and then the the water wheel squeezed it, heimlicked the turtle out of him, and now he's better. But that's a wild sentence. That's a wild set of sentences. I mean, that seems pretty straightforward to me. <laughs> Wait, in that, though, you said that you think the turtle is a beast now? No. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. 
What if the turtle is is the beast? No. And it's just like every animal that eats the turtle becomes the beast. Like, what if a deer ate the turtle and that's the beast that we see at the end? <laughs> I wouldn't put it past it. So Greg pops out of the water on the back of a dog, same dog from the opening montage with the girl in the forest, and... Christopher Lloyd is big mad about the mill and its contents being destroyed. Yeah, he has mentioned the lantern multiple times now, so it's clear that he has like a serious attachment to keeping this lantern running like it's of some importance. The for even the first time I watched it at the very beginning here, I was like, what is the woodsman's deal with his lantern? Yeah, he blames Wirt and then sends the kids north to find a town. Yeah, Wirt's a big brother, and he's just like inside being all sad over his like lost love or whatever bullshit. That is more proof also that Greg doesn't exist. Greg is just the child part of Wirt, because it's not Greg's fault. Greg's not real. It's your fault, Wirt. Well, this is that, you. But then the woodsman you, talks directly to the to Greg. No. Yeah. He talks does. to Wirt. He's talking to he Wirt. He tells me he has to protect the frog. He's telling Wirt that. No, he says, yeah. and you, little one, you have to protect your frog that you are yeah, he's currently holding. Little one, little part of Wirt. I don't remember exactly okay. what words he said. He could have said Greg. Anyway, he does tell Greg, which is part of Wirt in my theory, to name the frog. So he names it Wirt and says that he'll call his brother <laughs> Kitty. To which Wirt slash Kitty replies that he'll call Greg candy pants and greg's all about it yeah well that's what all of my ex-lovers call me so i'm into it yeah that's the first episode what in god's name did i just ingest with my eyeballs and ear holes david well you think you know what's going on then you just wait (laughs) we do open in our uh, last episode we open to a lovely orchestral song and our title card comes out and then we get over the garden wall chapter 10 and then the title of this episode the unknown Beatrice is flying through a a pretty nasty snowstorm. She's flying kind of above in the woods and she sees Greg and tries to fly down to him. Greg is chatting with a dark shadowy figure with tree antlers. Mm. Mm -hmm. Who sounds a lot like James Earl Jones. Greg has apparently fetched a honeycomb and some spider web on a stick for this dude. Beatrice is about to get to him, but she gets blown away by the storm and... The figure asks Greg to, for his next request, he asks him to lower the sun out of the sky into a teacup, which he calls a china cup, which I kind of hate like a lot. (laughs) It's a teacup. Greg sets the cup on a stump and explains that the setting sun will go into the cup through perspective. If you're looking at it from the right side, it looks like it's just kind of lowering down into it. It's like one of those artsy photographs of people holding the moon or whatever bullshit. Mm -hmm. Anything is possible. But Greg has to wait for that to happen. So Greg just kind of sits next to the stump and he says, now I just have to wait. (laughs) And you can hear the shadowy guy like, yes, wait in the cold. This is wonderful. (laughs) So I have not great feelings about that man. Wirt is walking through this same storm, though, looking for Greg. He's holding the frog. He gets struck in the face by Beatrice, who is getting blown by the storm. She explains that she saw Greg, and he picks her up, tells her, tries to tell her to get out of here. But she's like, nope, I'm coming with, and and they're going to go save Greg. So she points what direction she thinks she came from, and they're going to head that way. Yeah. Back at the house from the from our first step, back at the, the mill, the woodsman is frantically searching for more wood to juice, and he finds that those sticks that were thrown underneath a sofa or the daybed or whatever, but he, he tries to juice them and can't 
get any of that good, good black oil out of it. So he's depressed about it. As he's kind of having a little bit of a freak out, he hears some singing in the woods and just heads towards it. Smart. That's smart. You hear singing, you go towards it. That's yep. the way that works. Yep. That's why I sang at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. When your wood jamba juice doesn't grind, that's what you got to do. Yeah. That's what you got to do. So you got to do what you got to do. But yeah, so he finds Shadow Dude in the woods who he apparently knows like they have a, an intimate relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Shadow Dude presents him with a tree to juice. Here's a tree for you to juice. But it's Greg all <laughs> intertwined in the sticks coming out of the ground. It's creepy. Um, he's unconscious, of course. Greg, that is in tree form. And it's bad. Yep. Not looking good for Greg. No, the woodsman does refuse to use Greg for his tree juice, which is nice of him. He says that all this time he didn't know that all the Edelwood trees were lost souls that the beast had turned into trees. So he's been he's been milking these fucking lost people for lantern juice, and it's terrible. It's all terrible. Accurate. So this is also when we learn why the woodsman has such an attachment to the lantern. He is under the impression that his daughter's spirit is in there. And in order to keep her spirit alive, he needs to have oil for the lantern. So I needs to keep it fueled. Mm-hmm. They chat for a second. And then the woodsman tells the beast to keep his daughter's name out your fucking mouth. And he, uh, he attacks him with, with his axe. <laughs> they go fighting into the woods. And as they're fighting, Wirt and Beatrice and Kitty find the lantern on the ground and the Greg tree and they <laughs> they um they pick up the lantern and they're trying to figure out how to get Greg out of there when the woodsman and the beast return woodsman got beat up pretty bad by the beast is laying on the ground Greg explains that he stole his his rock facts rock from Mrs. Daniel's garden so that's worth knowing I guess mm-hmm. as Greg is kind of fading in and out Wirt tries to use the frog, which is now named Jason Funderburker, to try to convince <laughs> to convince Greg to stay awake. So Greg coughs up some leaves when Beatrice is concerned that they're growing inside of him. So they're like, oh, no, it's growing inside of him. He explains it. No, I was just eating leaves. <laughs> I laughed a lot at that part. So good. <laughs> just the, so good. Just the nonchalantness of, oh, I, I know. It's just such like a, like a serious moment. And then that happens. It's just so good. Yeah, very great. But yeah, so the woodsman has been beaten to a pulp. He's laying on the ground. And now the beast is like, hey, hey, we're you know, you got that lantern and your brother is a tree now. If you want to keep his spirit alive, we could just like put him in the lantern and you could become the new woodsman. And Wirt's like, oh, yeah, like he's starting to agree with it. And then he realizes like, wait, that's real dumb. No, <laughs> no, thanks. And he kind of finally puts together like maybe it's the beast's soul that's in the lantern, not another person's. And that's why he's trying to convince people to keep oiling it mm-hmm. with tree milk. So he gives the lantern back to the woodsman and basically says, like, this is your problem now and frees his brother with the axe and and off they go. Beatrice wants to join them, but she has to return to her family and admit that she's the reason that they turned into bluebirds from humans, I guess. Question about that later. We have lots of questions and no answers. (laughs) So (laughs) Wirt gives her a pair of scissors that will apparently change her family back into humans again. She's like, hey, you had those the whole time? And he's like, yeah, kind of. Like, I was just mad at you. You're kind of being a bitch. So I held on to him. Yep. Smart. So the woodsman deals with the beast. He shines a light on him for a second, and we see like a glimpse of what the beast is, because up n- till now it's just been like shadows. Mm-hmm. And we see it's like this like weird 
zombie like concoction of faces. It was really hard. I tried multiple times to pause right on it because it's like a like one frame that you see it for like a second. Yeah. Not great. The woodsman just blows out blows out the light. Adios. Bye. Goodbye. Entering into kind of the closing scenes here, Wirt awakens underwater. I don't know how he got underwater, but as he awakens, he sees Greg and uh, Jason uh, floating, uh, and he swims down to grab them and climbs out of the water, and some people come to their aid, people that we've ne- never seen, but people nonetheless. David, this is my biggest biggest proof for my theory. None of these people, these real people, these are not characters in this unknown woods. These are real people, I assume. Mm-hmm. None of them say Greg's name or even acknowledge him. You got this young kid getting pulled out of the water and everyone's like, word, word, word. There's not one mention of Greg. And then they, in the moment, I know they're just going to go to the hospital. No one says Greg's name. No one ever acknowledges him. They are only talking to Wirt. Greg is a part of Wirt. It's his inner child. <clears throat> I'm doing air karate right now. I'm I so disagree. right. I'm so right. Then why the hell don't they say Greg's name? They do just because they don't say Greg's name. He's sitting there telling him a story and they're all circled around him listening to the story when Wirt wakes up. No one says anything, though. They're just sitting there. They're sitting there around Wirt. Listen, if you were a search party, if you, David, were a search party and you were out searching for a teenager and a little boy that were drowning in the water and you see them plop themselves out of the water and you're coming running down the hill. Are you just going to completely disregard the little boy and just yell, oh, teenager boy, teenager boy? Teen-. No, you're going to be caring the most about the little kid. Yeah, but if I saw one of them being awake and the other one who is clearly not awake, I would try to engage with the one who was just awake first. I'd try to engage with the sleeping one. Be like, yo, bro, wake up. No, you wouldn't. wake up. Maybe if I yell out enough, yell out enough, he'll get out of his water coma. You're an idiot. This is all <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Still yep, think so right. still think I'm right. Anyway, they do get saved. They take a ride in an ambulance and awaken at a hospital, which honestly was surprising to me. The whole show felt like it was set in the past, mm. a decent ways in the past. So it was surprising when we all of a sudden are introduced to like modern stuff. Let me push back on that a second. I don't know that I'd say modern. In a moment here, Wirt has a cassette tape. So I'm thinking this is maybe like 80s, 90s. Okay, yes. I We are in a modern time comparative to like the 1800s. Oh, you thought this um, was 1800s? Well, no, I'm just saying like I thought it was pre-electronics and oh. like cars and stuff. Oh. We didn't see any like anything like that. Well, it's because it's in a fanciful wood, <laughs> which is also what my ex-lovers call in my pants. Yeah. Fanciful no. wood. Uh, no, I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, so Greg is is awake telling the story to everyone in the room. Everyone's dressed up for Halloween, I think. Oh, okay. I wondered what the hell was wrong with what like what why does she have a day of the dead face? I didn't understand. Yeah, Wirt awakens in the hospital to what is seems to be a girl we, uh, who I think we find out later is named Sarah. Her face is painted kind of like a cheap carnival version of Jack Skellington a little. Dia de las Muertas. So it was very odd. And then there was like another dude in just like a rabbit outfit and like another person dressed as a witch. So I think I think it was like Halloween or supposed mm. to be Halloween or something. Like that. Okay. I didn't get that, but that makes sense. So you think that Greg is a figment of Wilt's imagination, but you didn't put together the fact that it's Halloween. Don't. I, I didn't think there were any characters in the show called Wilt. 
but um, I otherwise. kept I kept on writing Wilt in my notes, like constantly. <laughs> Jason Funderburker is apparently the name of one of the guys in here that were just assigned to the frog. So now the frog and this guy are named Jason Funderburker. Jack Skellington's name, like I said, is apparently Sarah and Wirt made her a sexist tape. Nope. Made her a mixtape that he probably wants to lead to sex. <laughs> okay. I had a pseudo girlfriend in sixth grade. It was just my my seventh grade neighbor who had big old titties. And in as seventh grade, yeah, as Impressive. any sixth grade boy of the nineties would do, I made her a mixtape. Mm-hmm. I made it out of just like lines from songs on the radio and parts of CDs that I owned. So like, I didn't put full songs. I just put clips of songs, which is the the beauty of a cassette. You can start and stop whenever. Oh my god, how terrible! All that, that I remember is I put the chorus of Iris by Goo Goo Dolls. Okay. <laughs> and, and then this part is even more embarrassing. So there was this horrible track on the CD, Follow the Leader by Korn. Ew. My sixth grade music taste, woof. And anyway, it ends with Jonathan Davis of Korn being like, and I'll butt fuck you. <laughs> and, and I put that part, and she never talked to me again. And now I have a podcast where I... St- I still say off-putting things, so it makes sense. Please, please, but... <laughs> anyone, anyone who knows this person and can try, because that's the kind of thing when you're given it, you keep it out of <laughs> hilarity. Like just because, like, I have to keep this because it's the most ridiculous, mm-hmm. terrible thing that's mm-hmm. ever happened mm-hmm. to me. I just pray. To the lords above, <laughs> to the beast. I, I will carry around a lantern for the rest of my life. <laughs> if you can manifest that cassette tape. Oh, I don't have it. I gave it to her. No, I know. Oh, That's okay. what I'm saying is that uh, like calling all listeners and all people that exist. You need to find this, find this woman and get this cassette tape. I want to hear it so bad. And right after that, it was probably like the chorus of Roll to Me by Delamitri. So like it was just a, a ragtag bunch of <laughs> bunch of shit. What a nightmare. Moving on. Oh, man. The narrator decides like, that's it. The story's over. Everything's <laughs> great. Yet over the garden wall. And then we see a number of scenes similar to the ones we saw at the very beginning of the show through like a fisheye style screen where you can only see like a portion of the screen. We see the huntsman is reunited with his daughter. We think, as far as I could tell. More proof for my theory, Woods Lloyd's daughter has Wirt's same nose. I think she looked a lot like Wirt. That is one thing that I did. She's got that Wirt nose. Just saying. That would make me think that Wirt is the one that doesn't exist, though. Mm. No, I don't know. Whatever. The fish that was fishing catches the small turtle. A girl looks out a window with a short, creepy old lady pours some tea for her. A frog swims up in some mud and blows steam out its nose. (laughs) A woman enjoys a painting of a man and a horse. As it appears, she sets down little figurines that look like Wirt and Greg. Mm -hmm. Some people are at a carnival. There's another weird, tall Jack Skellington-looking motherfucker, and a cat pops out of the top of it. A girl sits and looks out a window with her dog. She's called to the table to eat her dirt. (laughs) which I don't understand that, but it's Beatrice. This is Beatrice and her family. She is no longer a bird because the family jokes about it. Well, you could like dirt us in the bluebirds again. (laughs) Eat your dirt. More, more proof for my theory, David. Dirt sounds like wort. Lock it in. Lock it in. That's, that's nothing. (laughs) 
<laughs> the frog from the very beginning of episode one finishes his song on the piano and spins away from the screen at, just as he spun towards us in the intro. And then the rock fax rock is placed back down where it was picked up from and seen. Wow. Finny. What a show. Yeah, it's great. I love it so much. Now, as I mentioned at the top, we have a lot of questions, but before we get into those, it is time for a Rock Fact Center commercial. Today's episode is brought to you by our Patreon, the Center Cult. That's it. (laughs) You should join it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you absolutely should. It's great. You get so many wonderful benefits. Here are some rock facts. You get access to episodes early. You get access to a center consumed where we go back and watch the middle of something that we've covered on the show. We just did Boogie Nights and it was really, really great. You're going to get access to our chats that we do for every episode. The one coming up is going to be pretty great. So you're not going to want to miss it. You'll hear about it at the end. And we, I mean, we didn't even talk about it. You get the Center Cache newsletter. You get voting rights. There's all kinds of stuff. So we would There's love to have you. It's only $5 a month. That is less expensive than a bidet that you would have to buy for yourself. And we will squirt your asshole for much cheaper. So we'd love to have you. That is patreon.com slash the center cut. Get on it. Join the cult. And if you have any feedback, please send it to thecentercutcast at gmail.com. Plus, you can hit up all our socials on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can just search the Center Cut, you'll find us. But on Twitter and Instagram, at the underscore center underscore cut is our handle. By Twitter, did you mean TikTok? By Twitter, I meant TikTok. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye. All right, DeVito, we have some questions and... These are all from Reddit. So many a question from Reddit. Appreciate you, Redditors. And the first one is from A underscore Megalodont. (laughs) Why did Wirt and Greg burgle the turts? They need to burgle the turts to save Jason Funderburker and his new friends from Fred the Horse. More on that later. Ooh, okay. Using other questions. I like it. That's that's a me thing. Also more on this later for me, but I think that burgling the turts is slang for stealing turtles, friend. Yeah, no shit. Oh, I don't know. Burgle the turts. What else would that be? (laughs) I don't know. It did lead me to Google, is a turtle a reptile or an amphibian? Because I'm smart, but not at science things. And Ashley walked by and asked, were you just Googling turtle penises? She just saw the word turtle and assumed that you were looking at penises. No, she saw a picture, pictures of turtles coming up. Uh-huh. And just thought I was Googling them dicks. Either way, she saw that you were looking at turtles and assumed you were looking at their genitalia. Yes, correct. Yes. On brand. Anyway, I think that they are stealing little turtles because they think that's what the beast likes to eat based on the fact that he ate one already and turned it black like its soul. And they want to feed the beast. But more on that later. Yeah, that's interesting that when I answered this question, I immediately thought that the frog was a turtle. I answered this as though Jason Funderburker is a turtle. You sure did. And he's a frog. Yep. They're relatives. Which is an important distinction to make. Sure is. But I guess I didn't have to admit any of this because you could have just assumed that our frog friend had made some turtle friends mm-hmm. and they all needed to be saved. Correct. That's what but I assume. Instead, I open my soul to you and let our listeners know that I'm an idiot. <laughs> 
Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Our next question comes from Angelina underscore shiny. Why and how did Beatrice and her family turn into birds? The why is sort of answered in the 10th chapter, I believe. She mentions that they were jerks to her or whatever, talking about making her eat dirt. So she got mad like any teen girl would and then used those special bird scissors. I think that the function of those bird scissors is she had to like she had to cut pictures of them with the scissors and whatever you cut with them turns into birds. Why would you turn yourself into a bird? She didn't realize that it turned the whole family, including her, into birds. Oh. I assumed that when they were joking about eating the dirt, it's because Beatrice eating dirt is what turned them into birds in the first place. Ooh, okay. So I just think she ate some magic dirt. Okay. (laughs) Maybe. And it turned her whole family into birds. I guess that could be a thing with this show, so maybe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is the fun part about these questions. You could say literally anything. Yep. Uh, Next one is from Stalker Mars, and uh, Stalker Mars also has more questions later, but how can Beatrice turn her family human again? See, this is the scissors. We know that the scissors solve this problem in one way or another. My assumption is that she has to cut a feather off of each of them in order to turn them back into a human. Ooh, okay. I think she has to cut pictures of them as birds, which will reverse the curse (laughs) and they will be human again. Stupid. Stupid. So first she had to find someone to take pictures of them as birds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) You're the worst. Here's the bigger question, though. Once they're human again, won't they just beat her up or murder her? Like, if one of my family members turned me into an animal because they were mad at me, and I had to just be that animal and, like, shit all over myself for months, or even years, we don't know how long this was. You're assuming that she did it on purpose. Regardless. I am not assuming that she did it on purpose. Even if my family member turned, did this to me on accident, and I had to be an animal for years. You'd immediately, as soon as you were human again, resort to murdering that person. Yeah, if they they turned me back, I would want to end their life. Nobody turns me into a Nelly Furtado song and gets away with it. I hate you. (laughs) I was going to say I hate it, but honestly, it's just you. (laughs) I think it's just you. Like, okay. that's uh, like some people make mistakes, homie. Mistake is one. Th- okay. So if tomorrow morning a drunk driver kills your family, ah, people make mistakes. No, sometimes mistakes are egregious and you can't understand. Okay. Yes. One is that this entire family didn't die. They just turned into birds for a while and then turned back for birds. That's pretty bad. And pretty bad. here's the thing is that if someone ran over my family, would I be mad? Yes. If then they figured out how to bring my family back from the dead because they felt bad about tur- about killing my family, I'd be like, I was mad at you, but you, you fixed it. So be careful next time. Thank you for bringing back my family from the dead and realizing that you made a mistake. That's how we grow as a society. Yeah, but what about like the year that they had to spend... In, on the lost island in, in hell with god of reverse purgatory yeah, i don't know i don't know <laughs> anyway moving on <laughs> i'm so proud of myself for that she ate some magic dirt okay and then she cut a feather off and it turned her back and it was an accident so her family wouldn't immediately kill her they would just make passive aggressive comments about it at dinner every night for the rest of her life Okay. That's the way normal families work. <laughs> Our next question from Hatchet Jack 762 That name's scary and bad. 
What's with George Washington being naked? Best question award. I was going to make some joke about like popping a cherry tree or something stupid, but instead I said, Michael, you're better than that. Instead of making that joke, just no, reference not. it so you can still say it without actually committing to it and then yep. and then have the bit Classic. keep going because you don't know how to end it. It almost makes you worse because you just don't <laughs> want to commit to it. It doesn't make you better. It makes you worse. So my answer is that it's a painting in Endicott's house. And he just likes naked presidents because it makes him feel better about himself. You should see the one of Taft. <laughs> Can you just spew <laughs> ridiculous bullshit? I'd, uh, I'd imagine this is someone talking about the woodsman and just referring to him as George Washington. Because he chops because down trees. Because yeah. he's chopping down trees mm-hmm. and he's got a hatchet. Okay. I think that at this moment he is naked because his like clothes got burned off at a fire or some <laughs> bullshit. And and then someone just walks up and is like, what's with George Washington being naked? How is your answer any less ridiculous than my answer? There's not a collection of naked president portraits. Okay. Okay. Next question from Blasman3. Or I guess it could be three eyes. Blasman, I, I, I. What's your favorite animal from the school? Definitely the elephant. Next question. I'm inclined to say Fred the horse, only because that's the sole named animal we get from the questions other than Beatrice. And I don't think she counts. The bluebird. I'm actually I'm going to I'm going to throw conventional wisdom out the window and I'm going to say raccoon. I think he or she is particularly feisty. So that's why. Interesting. I like mm-hmm. Can two rich people truly have a fulfilling relationship? <sighs> I thought a lot about this mm, as I, I thought you would. The answer is yes, but it's begrudgingly yes. And I hate it to have something be truly fulfilling. You need to have gone through something together. I think the easy way, easiest way to do that is to be poor. Like you struggle financially with someone, you get all the other shit built in, like the stress about healthcare, the eating shitty foods, driving horrible vehicles, worrying that you're going to get stabbed in the night by sketchy neighbors, the insurmountable stress of knowing that you're just an insignificant piece of trash that's only role is just helping to pollute the earth so that it explodes faster and everyone dies, so on and so forth. When you're rich, you just get to skip most of that. But you could also go through some other trauma, like a child dying in your furnace or like you run over your pet cat that you had since it was a little kitty or, or whatever it is. Like you both get sodomized by the same wealthy church priest. Your country club finally decided to start accepting women. Yeah. And you yeah. you fight through the shit and you make it out the other side together. That is fulfilling. It's tougher as a rich person, but it is possible. Interesting. Um, Not without a prenup. Next question. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer, Steve. Steve doesn't do the answers. He has the questions. Next question from <laughs> the next Hefner. Oh, it's a Playboy thing. Who is Auntie Whispers? Basically a whispering version of Nigel Thornberry. Okay. There are some further questions about Auntie Whispers, but I think that she is a creepy old lady that the boys encounter, and I think she feeds them all kinds of horrible prophecies based on a quilt that she's knitting. We see a two-second shot of a crumbly old lady knitting with those bird scissors in the opening mm-hmm. montage, so that mm-hmm. is my evidence. Mm-hmm. So she's the one that has the bird scissors. Yep. Yeah, makes sense. Oh, Silver Inkblot V2, who has more questions later as well, asks, how does Greg defeat the North Wind? I fully expect that there was a karate montage, and Greg's just out there living his best life, doing karate, frog and toe, just karateing the wind. Interesting. I feel like Greg succeeds through accident. Hmm. 
Like, that's what happened with the woodsman in the beginning when he tried to knock him out, right? Is like, he was going around looking for weapons and scattering random shit around the room. Finally, he went to go swing at the woodsman and missed him and just hit his hat, knocked his hat off, but it made the woodsman turn around, step on one of the things, and then fall and knock his head on a log that he just left in the middle of the floor. So I feel like... I feel like he's just like accidentally figure something stuff out. But I think this question in particular, obviously, he does it with the Eastern calm. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Next question from Reese the Badger. How does Greg end up getting separated from Wirt? I think the shadow monster just slowly. I think there's a storm and Greg and Wirt are walking together. And then Greg just turns and sees like the shadow monster in the woods and just like just starts kind of walking over there. He just like gets distracted and just like meanders away. Hmm, Okay. Trying to piece together the puzzle logically with all of the other questions we have. I think that early on they're in Pottsfield together. And then at some point they take a pumpkin cart ride to the country where they meet Endicott, Fred the horse and Auntie Whispers. And I think Endicott's house is haunted which scares away Greg, who just runs away, and that that's how he gets found out by the Beast, and Wirt is out searching for him with the help of Beatrice. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Why is the show called Over the Garden Wall? I think it's kind of literal. I think most gardens are these nice areas. Maybe there maybe there's some cool rock patterns, but it's up against just the wild, like the woods and overground forest. It's a place where things grow, but they grow in a plotted design. Like when you go over the garden wall, you're going from one plane where things are neat and organized and civilized, and then you're leaving that and going into this new place that's unruly, unkempt, dangerous, dark, the sun don't shine, the quote-unquote unknown. And that is where Wirt and Greg are, the unknown. Wow. Crushed it. I think Greg steals the rock out of Mrs. Daniel's garden, and they hop over the fence of her garden into the woods and commence show same answer same answer i mean basically yeah (laughs) why does greg have a teapot on his head and candy in his pants why wouldn't he have candy in his pants is the obvious answer for the candy piece i almost always have candy in my pants Mm -hmm. so same bro i think the teapot protects him from danger i feel like maybe him and his brother were playing like army or whatever and battling and like swinging sticks at each other so he like stuck a pot on his head like a helmet okay and that's that all right i agree with you about the pants the candy pants self-explanatory if i had room in my pants i'd be loading them shits up with candy too i bring this leather briefcase thing into work and little does everyone know it's just filled with candy i only bring it to house candy because i have to have something sweet after every meal You have to cleanse the palate with sweetness. The teapot. (laughs) I'm going to save that part for my next answer because I'm going to unleash a backup theory in case my first theory is not correct. (laughs) A backup theory. All right. Fine. The teapot. A backup theory. My God. Okay. So Ruby Fire Ruby asks, where are Wirt and Greg actually going? Okay. My they're all just Wirt at different stages theory. It's clear at this point. I've made that abundantly clear. But alternate theory. We see them coming out of the water near the end. What if all of this takes place in like a minute or two or whatever? And the unknown unconscious underwater. Yeah, it's just the liminal place between life and death. And yeah, see, I thought about that, too. But why would they both have experienced that? Because there's something special about the water. And because Greg, like he wakes up, he says, this is dumb. So I think the teapot on Greg's head symbolizes the fact that his head is just full of water, which is exactly what would happen if you tip the teapot upside down. His head's full of water because he's drowning. Interesting. Again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Backup theory. Backup theory. The, our next you set of answer. questions. Oh, home. Next. <laughs> so <laughs> all of these next questions here, because we got so many of them, if you're a longtime center cutter, you know that if we get a lot of questions, we do something cool to shorten our answers. This time around, 10 words. We can only answer these questions in 10 words only. And we have to be Greg. We have to be Greg, a childlike person, while we answer these 10 words. First one from Jess Bell 22. What did Fred the horse want to do? Dum da dum 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 da dum. Eat the frog. He wanted to run. Nay, he wanted to be free. Terrible. Nay. What's up with Endicott's house? It's big and fancy and haunted. Also describes John Goodman. <laughs> Since when is John Goodman fancy? <laughs> All the time. That's absurd. All the time. It's just full of dolls. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Which character is the total package? The woodsman. He's old and smelly and has an axe. Wirt. Of course he would say that. Everyone is him. Stupid. Our next question from happy underscore canary 2794. Do you want to live in Pottsfield? No, thank you. Too many rules. Want to burgle turts freely. <laughs> Pottsfield would be nicer if it had more candy wort. I answered these from the perspective of Greg. Same. Mm. Same. Vic, the question sage, what were Wirt and Greg found guilty of by the order of the Pottsfield Chamber of Commerce? We broke a bunch of stuff saving Mr. Kitty Froggins. Burgling the turts, turtling the bergs, stealing reptiles, second brother. <laughs> How do you play two old cat? Fun. Throw two pennies into sky. Goal, land tails up. You take one old cat and another, and that's it. <laughs> Zobby asks, was the eldritch horror too easy to defeat? It just wanted a friend and a hug. It's easy. What you talking about, Zobby? Everything's hard with candy and pants. <laughs> Deeper into the unknown asks, what were the two cents for? Aw, oh, beans. Playing two old cat, like marbles, but better. Pants candy, of course. What else would it be for? Who's going to make ends meet? I will. I'm going to figure it all out. You'll see. Endicott. Used to be rich. Haunted house made him broke. Mm. Which character's death would cause Beatrice to laugh? Wirt. But she didn't mean it. Birds are notorious tricksters. Anybody's death, really. She delights in the suffering of others. <laughs> <laughs> Stalker Mars is back. The ringing of the bell commands who? Did you know a bell starts boxing matches? Rock fact. <laughs> Auntie whispers. She knits quilts that tell the future. Spooky. Who did Greg steal his rock from? Auntie whispers. Over garden wall. Also, rock fact. I'm Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Facts rock is from Mrs. Daniel's garden over the wall. You think Auntie Whispers is Mrs. Daniels? Mm -hmm. Interesting. How does Greg raise money for the school? I sold candy. That's why my pants are so full. <laughs> I'm still Greg. Held a circus with Fred the horse. <laughs> who is Jimmy Brown? Woo! He's one of the boys who played with Boat. My friend from school who takes all my lunch money. <laughs> in my world, Greg, because this is something that we did see in both ends is like, Greg has no, he's unable to tell danger. He has no, like, he has this, like, such a positive outlook on everything. He's Ralph Wiggums. Yeah. 
would be beating up, getting beat up by a bully and still think that they're his friend somehow. Yep. Who is Auntie Whisper's sister? Auntie Murmur. She's really nice and also weird looking too. Pre-bird Beatrice's mother. That's where she got special scissors. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. About Tree Fitty asks, what does the highwayman do for a living? He lets people ride his face for a small fee. <laughs> Highwayman's a man who helps us cross the highway. Sloosh asks, what did you think of Tim Curry's performance? And we know from the credits that Tim Curry is Auntie Whispers. Why did she whisper so much? I couldn't hear her. Rocked fact. Best Grinch smile ever in Home Alone 2. Mm, agreed. Do you know Tim Curry was in Psych? No. Yeah. Dude air 2597 asks, does Greg's frog have a hidden talent? And if so, what is it? Playing the piano like he's Ben Folds or Elton Frog. It's worth than Zach F. Frog. <laughs> he can breathe fire. It's really cool. Well, actually hot. L is Robin asks, what's your thoughts on the train? I've never been on a train. I bet it's fun. Only creepy old men like them. Chugga chugga choo choo. <laughs> Stupid. Strange librarian asks, do you think the poetry or the clarinet solos would be the most embarrassing parts of that cassette tape? Neither. There's another question later, but also goo goo dolls. Definitely the poetry. I heard word practicing in his room. Silver Inkblot V2 is back. Why is Jason Funderburker such a Chad? He dressed as Chad Michael Murray for his Halloween costume. Nickelback singer, Chad Kroger. Greg's frog, Chad Croker. Science, bitch. See, that one was good. You worked a little bit for Chad that Chad Croker, yeah. Zaga frog. Just phoning it in. <laughs> How did Quincy Endicott make his fortune? Ah, oh, beans. I think it might be slaves. Spank him. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're suggesting that <laughs> that one greg understands slavery how yeah. bad sa- slaves were in slavery in general and knows that that quincy endicott should be punished and therefore suggests that he should be spanked correct okay accurate cool chopping down trees that's the woodsman before becoming the woodsman Ooh, what's wrong with the tailor they just wanted a friend and a hug it's easy <laughs> She uses bird scissors. Oh, no. Turns people into birds. What sort of age-appropriate activities were the teenager doing in the cemetery? Playing hide and shriek. Dancing to Skrillex. Graving. Minus G. (laughs) I'm so disappointed by that. (laughs) The hide and shriek or the graving minus G? The graving minus G. I don't like that at all. They were peeing on all the gravestones. It was gross. (laughs) Why is the moon always half full? Because there's always a dark side of the moon. Because I'm Greg and I'm an optimist. Take that, moon. What's on Wirt's tape? A lot of sad poetry and clarinet playing. Ah, beans. It is most definitely, without a doubt, absolutely not this. I stick cucumbers and hammer hands up my butt. Up his butt. Oh, I ram and jam and jam. Great. Throwback to episode three. Ooh, way back. Yeah, that was me, and I'm sorry. All right, David, we answered all the questions, and I think between the two of us, we crushed them. Yeah, I mean, we got them all right, both of us. It's weird how it works, but it did. Yep. 
Thank you, Greg, for being the best character. Thank you, Greg, for being Greg, because I do feel like there were other funny parts of this show. This show would not have nearly been as funny as it was if it wasn't for Greg. Nope, nope, nope. All right, David, the only way to fittingly wrap this up is to head into the unknown and give our center counts. Center counts. I give this a six out of seven. Wow. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed what we saw of even the story. And like we got a decent amount of story, even in the two episodes we watched that were like 12 minutes each. We got a decent amount of story. I can only imagine kind of what transpired in the middle here. But I love the artistry of it. I love the humor in it. And I just think it's kind of unique. And I hope that the middle doesn't answer a lot of the questions that we were talking about today, because I would I would like if this one was kind of a little open ended. And normally I don't like stuff like that. But this just seems like a, the perfect little little thing that could be like open ended and like, does this mean this? Does it mean that? Or is this just a stupid cartoon? Who knows? Yeah, I agree with you about the open endedness. I also kind of hope that it's not flat out answered. Yeah, I'm going to go with a four out of seven, which is still on the positive side it's still above average that's higher than i was expecting for you to give an animated series because normally they're just not your thing yeah that's that's what it is i'm just not really a huge watching cartoons as an adult guy like if i'm gonna watch a cartoon it's going to be for nostalgia purposes not only but mainly though ashley and i did stay in in the ritz carlton in los angeles on our honeymoon and watch more bob's burgers than we should have so i'm I'm open to adult cartoons and i, I watched simpsons as a kid but anyway because of that, this was never going to be like a seven out of seven for me. There are some parts where it feels like it is just weird for weird sake, which I I am not the biggest fan of. But at the same time, I don't know that that's true. It could all make sense and mean something in the end. I don't know. It's like just have the pumpkin cart be pulled by turkeys. That'll be fun. Like there's no way that that means something. <laughs> it's just like this is cool animated. Let's do it. Yeah. I don't. I don't love that, but I do think that there is a deeper story or deeper meaning. And for that, I think it deserves some credit because this this is made for Cartoon Network. And this is not this is not like an episode of Dexter's Laboratory. There's, nope. there's something Although behind Dexter's this. Dexter's Laboratory was pretty great. Well, fine. But there, there's something behind this. And agreed. I like most of the animation style with the exception of the noses. So the noses are the best part. Four out of seven. I was whelmed because it's an animated ser- short series. I was honestly assuming that five out of seven was your max. So I think four is still a pretty solid score for, yeah. for an animated series for you. Yeah, no, I, I again, it's it's above average. I I could I could easily see myself watching the middle of this because it's only like an hour and 20 minute commitment to do that. So <laughs> mm, I know I'm definitely going to go watch it for sure. Yeah. So thanks for suggesting it, Vicky. Yeah, thanks. All right, David, that wraps up over the garden wall for a bit. What do we have coming up next? Up next, our patrons are going to have something new to consume it's going to be our center chat for over the garden wall and we're just going to be talking about what candy we would keep in our pants yeah candy pants excited if we had to keep some candy in our pants what candy would it be Mm, okay is it really going to be that or is it going to be our favorite candies because my answers would be different because like i don't want to keep m&ms in my pants because those are going to melt i think we'll uh, we'll clarify that okay Okay. I think we're going to leave that a little open-ended. All right. Well, I am excited for that. What's coming up for our main non-patrons? Well, for our non-patrons, what are you doing? Become a patron. Duh. Mm-hmm. But if you really don't want to do that, then you can wait till February 15th. We're going to be covering High Fidelity with Vinyl Reckoning Podcast. Matt and Stacy coming by. Should be a good time. Yeah. It started as a podcast. Now it's kind of more of a YouTube show. 
Matt has been consistent throughout, but it it's going to be a good time. I think it's going to be really that, that's a movie about a vinyl record store. I think so. Oh, it's it's going to be good, perfect match. And it, David, it's our third thing we're going to be watching that has John Cusack in it. So that's exciting. Oh, I love me some John Cusack. So sign me up. Well. This is your first time coming to the center cut. You're like, I would like over the garden wall. I want to listen to this. And you came for this and you're here. Thank you. We appreciate you. We have a thousand. No, we don't have a thousand episodes. We have a lot of episodes. You can go check out our back catalog, but we appreciate you. Yeah. And again, if you're one of the Redditors that's sending questions, you're the best. Thank you. Those are great. I guess it's time to end the show now. Yep. Like the space between all of Wurt's lines. It's always better in the center. That's where Greg was. You get it. (laughs) 